Pro days are wrapping up rapidly across the country. The league meetings held this week. Some big changes coming to the NFL, maybe? Shane has had a lot of comps come out this week. Who were some surprising ones? And Travis May of Mojo is going to join us to talk about stocks in the NFL draft coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. Tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosarge. Joined, as always, is my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, 28 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, and 13 seconds away from the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, we're, we're getting close. Only four weeks. Uh, there's not many podcasts to go before the draft kicks off. So, uh, it, pro day stuff, you, you've been writing about that. It's been awesome. And it feels like we're just waiting for, for Christmas to happen here in a month. Yeah, it feels like we only got uh, maybe this week. I think is or uh, next early next week. It'll be the end of the pro day circuit. Then we'll have some individual, you know, pro days to sort out you know, between now and the end. But uh, yeah, it's 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 cutting down to the nitty gritty, as they say, uh, with the NFL and the NFL draft. Uh, if you're watching along in the chat right now and you got a question, we're going we're going to answer plenty of questions tonight at the end of the show. And you want yours answered? Go ahead and ask it in the chat. Or if you're following along on Twitter, uh, go to at Draft Countdown there and send your question in. We'll answer it. Or you can go to our Discord. And if you're not a member of our Discord, go to DraftCountdown.com. It's in the upper right-hand corner of the search bar. Join our Discord. Lots of great discussion. And we'll have a, even more of it between now and the NFL Draft. So, uh, we, by all means, please join that. And let's, let's chat over there on the Discord. But Shane uh, had some meetings there this week out for the uh, NFL. The coaches and owners met. Some some rules changed, some rules not changed that we thought might get changed. But uh, I think probably as far as we're concerned, maybe the biggest uh, thing that came down was the cut day. Uh, instead of it being spread out now, teams are going to go from a 90-man roster to a 53-man roster in one day. And that day this year is August the 29th, which I believe is on a Tuesday. So uh, it's a benefit, I guess, for us because it's, A, not happening on the first Saturday of full college football this year. So at least it's on a Tuesday, you know. But it's going to be a lot to keep up with. That's a, that's a lot of guys. That's, what, 34 per team? So 37 per team. Whew, a lot to keep up with. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy day, right? I mean, the, the, the news – 
like aggregators are going to be going nuts. But I, I think it's great because now the late round picks, the undrafted free agents, right, all, all those guys that you kind of brought into camp, just get more time to establish themselves. Maybe you find that gem. Uh, and if you've ever gone to a training camp, I mean, these undrafted players, end of the roster players don't get much time to prove themselves. I think it just gives you more of that opportunity. Uh, so so I, I think it's a good thing from everything I've seen. Um, I'm, I'm excited for it. And I hope, you know, we maybe get, hey, there, there's this third round pick uh, who's not very good, not playing well. Now this undrafted free agent can actually beat them out. I think there's more of a chance of those things happen. Yeah, a couple things there. It, it kind of makes that last preseason game maybe mean just a little bit more now for a lot of these guys. And I tweeted out uh, when the news broke, you know, that teams, you know, you always hear the teams trying to sneak players onto the practice squad. Well, when there's, what, 1,600 names going on the – waiver wire at one time, it becomes a little bit easier to hide some of these guys you want to get to the practice squad, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true too. I think teams are going to be a little more brazen in who they cut and uh, try to sneak back on there. So that'll, that'll be a fun game to play. You might have to hire someone just to go through all 1,600 names and figure out uh, who's available for you. Um, one other thing of note, I say it's of note, it's not really matter, I guess, but Players are going to be able to wear number zero now. Uh, we saw college football uh, do this a few years ago. Now the NFL will allow players to wear zero. And maybe important to you, Shane, and you only, uh, punters and kickers can now wear any number between zero and 49 and 90 to 99. So the Bryce Barringers of the world entering the league next year will get to keep their collegiate number of 99. <laughs> Look, that's, that, that's what matters. That's the real impact of the uh of the meetings here yeah obviously well shane we've got a guest tonight and something i'm definitely uh interested in learning about is some of this stuff that our guest coming on tonight is going to bring up here he is the college lead college football analyst at mojo and he is the host of the college to canton podcast he is travis may Travis, man, uh, welcome to the uh, Draft Countdown podcast. Hey, hey, uh, glad to be here, guys. Always uh, good to uh, talk to my good buddy Shane. And uh, I'm not sure we've actually been on a podcast before, have we? I do not think we have. So uh, it's good to meet you, sir. And uh, I, I think my my first question that I have, matter of fact, it's the only one that I have written down. I told Shane he was going to take the lead on, on, on this stuff tonight. But uh, – for people like me who are completely uh, clueless here, uh, what is Mojo and what what can it what does it do for people like me who are ignorant of the subject? <laughs> uh, that, that's a great question uh, because uh, not many people are privy to Mojo like nationwide or worldwide just yet because we've only actually been live uh, anywhere at all since uh, September of last year. But we are essentially the first fully regulated sports stock market slash you know sports book type type entity so we are both regulated via you know i like kind of a financial institution and sports book together <laughs> um and so that that makes things complicated for us but great for you know the user because that means we can offer um an environment that really feels like and acts like a real stock market 
but also it means we can offer, you know, kind of single ba- single game binary kind of bet type offerings as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we launched with the NFL last year and uh, initially we just had these stocks that were career long bets. And so essentially like players like, you know, your Patrick Mahomes of the world, you know, they're, they're way over $100 per share. But, you know, the back of the roster players who are not even doing much at all from a week to week production basis, they might be a dollar or even less in some cases. So there's quite just like the real stock market, there's a quite a range of uh, type of players and assets that you can potentially invest in. And it's not like, you know, a company you're trying to bet on a future revenue and production, uh, you know, from a dollars and cents standpoint. It's it's based on real live uh, NFL stats or whatever sport it is stats. Um, and there's a key, you know, objective formula, uh, stats formula that's on our website and in in the app and in the uh, explanations where you can kind of see, okay, this is how all the stats and all this the value within the stock is accrued. And so every single player has um, to their name, in the pros anyway, like uh, part of their stock price that is their banked uh, or accrued mojo value. <laughs> and then a, a portion of it is the future expected or projected uh, portion of their price. And the idea is that you can go long or short bet it and betting for or against a player at any given price point. And, um, you know, if a player does worse or a player does well, uh, you can make some money in either direction. And so it's, it's a lot of fun because it is like a sports stock market. It really is. And, and it's not just career bets uh, with the launch of NBA and uh, even some college basketball stuff with March Madness. We've added some like single game type stocks that are essentially function. If you're familiar with like how, you know, options work on the stock market, like call, call options or put options where you're betting for or against a very short term window. Uh, an outcome of an entire team or a specific player like within basketball, you could have, you know, a, um, essentially a bet or a stock on a, a, a basketball players uh, assists for a game or points for a game, or in the tournament, it was like total points in the tournament uh, and so on and so forth. So it was, it was really fun just to see uh, people just love that. And, and uh, the fun part is like the cash outs and the cash out options are actually fair <laughs> and you can enter and exit in any time. It's not like a, just straight up binary. Did I win or did I lose? Like throughout every single game and throughout the off season and every bit of news that comes out, you'll see um, prices fluctuate. And so you can enter and exit at any given price point. It's up to you. So it's, it's a lot, of, it's a lot of fun uh, just overseeing specifically what I've been doing uh, is the college portion and NFL draft prospects stuff. So that's the overview, but Mojo is going to be a blast when it's when it's available everywhere. It's it's right now you have to be in New Jersey to uh, to play to participate to trade, uh, but we're we're in process of adding several more states. Well, Travis, you and I cut it up in the fantasy realm, uh, so you know Brian, not much of a fantasy football player as well. No. So we'll have to <laughs> give him some credit. Um, but you know, so so you do a lot of analytical analysis there, plus the yes. this, you know stock market with Mojo. So. Um, I think I'm just going to jump to maybe the most one of the most controversial prospects in this draft. And I want you uh, to talk about him from both kind of perspectives. That's Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida. Um, basically, you know, how, how was his prospect at NFL success from an analytical perspective? And, and then tell me about the uh, the stock on Mojo through this process as Richardson's been through with the college season, his first full season starting, and now the offseason, uh, kind of a roller coaster. So I'm interested to hear about that too. 
Yeah, it's interesting because like my background initially was all fantasy football, kind of shifted to more real football and building some nerdy predictive modeling for a couple of different sites, you know, covering a, a few different teams. So I kind of have this um, a weird set of experiences where it's, it's fantasy football, it's real college football, it's real NFL. Uh, and now I'm doing the sports stock market stuff. <laughs> and so, uh, but I, I think the sports stock market thing has really informed how I think about things through a fantasy football lens and a real football lens, um, because I, I get to see everyone's confidence or lack thereof in certain prospects. <laughs> and Richardson's just been all over the place. But uh, there have been a lot of people who have been in, extremely confident in him. And because of that, his price since last fall has risen like 300 plus percent <laughs> since since uh, I believe his declare date, which is just absolutely bonkers. Uh, to see that meteoric rise. Um, and that's and that, that can be reflected all over uh, Twitter, all over mock drafts. Um, uh, you know, after the combine, it, he, he jumped all the way up to like plus 300 something to be the first overall selection in the NFL draft. So his stock has been incredibly high. But what's been confusing to me is that there is that much of uh, confidence from so many people, uh, considering from an analytical perspective, there's literally never in the history, modern history of the NFL, been a successful player with such a poor passing profile ever. Not even remotely close. Like you, you, all the comps that people throw out, like, oh well, you know, Lamar Jackson was this, or Jalen Hurts was that. You could cut their like pass efficiency percentile in half, and they would still destroy Anthony Richardson's trash profile. And so um, that's probably putting it nicely, by the way. And so. He's just, he, he, it's, it's, there's so many questions. Uh, I, I see the upside. I, I see the athleticism. If he does succeed, it's because he's the best athlete to ever play the, the position, perhaps, uh, at least the top three athlete at the position ever. Um, but man, the, the amount of confidence that um, all the mock drafts and experts have in this player who's literally never done a freaking good thing uh, throughout the entire of, like, entirety of one full game um, is just wild to me. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he could absolutely pan out because of the tools and there are flashes of incredible runs against LSU out routes that he just nails effortlessly on his first read. And, and there are moments where you think, oh gosh, he completely just nailed it. Like in between three defenders over the middle, leaping catch. It was fantastic. But there's so many quarterbacks that have those moments. Um, he just had so few of them and he's got such a, a short resume of less than what? 400 fewer than 400 total pass attempts uh to his name in college there's just he's an absolute wild card that people are just acting like oh obviously he's he's the fourth overall selection to the colts just sign off and that's it and uh, that's just bonkers number 99 overall my board there you go hey we got a sane person sweet <laughs> that, um, that makes that makes at least one more of us I I'm curious what the stock value is of quarterbacks who couldn't beat Vanderbilt in college. Just saying, but that's a that's a running joke now on on the Draft Countdown podcast. We don't need to get into. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I thought of a question here while you were talking, and I wrote it down. Um, at this point in the NFL, the position of running back is devalued, right? I mean, if you give a running back a second contract, you pretty much committed salary cap suicide, right? If you're a team, or so it seems to be heading that way. So does Mojo, like, like, are you buying, like if you're buying a running back stock at mm -hmm. this point or, and you, you can't really play the long game with that. Right. Because you know, it's only like for four years. So 
essentially is is that something that is is this positional value i guess is where i'm i'm getting here something that is taken to effect with mojo absolutely so i mean the the scale of um and ceiling uh in terms of like expected price for all the positions are are very well they're, they're just vastly different across the board like tight ends struggle to have like you know you're not going to see any tight end have a $100 price tag even if it's Travis Kelty it's like not even half that uh, um it won't ever uh, reach like there's never going to be a tight end that eclipses like $50 in mojo value because it's if I were to explain how it, it, the stats are accrued the model is is similar to like the you know the modern expected points added kind of calculation you know taking into effect yards and and first downs and um it, 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 there's an efficiency aspect to it but it doesn't overweight uh rushing or, or receiving yards uh like fantasy does so uh you know, the guys that just accumulate a ton of yards like quarterbacks tend to have the higher price tags available to them. So like first round quarterbacks, you know, they're in like the, anywhere from like the back end of a first round play uh, pick, you know, 18 to $20 range up to like closer to $50. If you're like a Trevor Lawrence type uh, type prospect, like he Lawrence, I think IPO would above $45, which is about the highest we've seen um, on, on the platform. Uh, but like running backs, you, you know, you're even like a round two running back, you're not even going to be IPOing over 10 bucks, you know? So yeah, it, it is definitely scaled uh, by position and there's a lot of value to be had still um, just, just like the real stock market. Cause it's all about the percentile increase. And it's, it's not necessarily about the dollars uh, or the scale of the stock. It's about the percentile uh, gained. Uh, but even like the guys who've been around for a while, they're not, they're not dead because um, they're, they're like, depending on how long they've been in the league, and depending on how much expected future value hat you have on a player, there's going to be a higher multiplier available. So like, it, like an older player might have a, a multiplier of like 10 X available. Like if, if player X's stock goes up 1% and you have a 10 X multiplier on it, it goes up 10% instead of 1%. So there, there are fun ways to uh, uh, amplify the volatility. So kind of leading into that, how, how does that affect a player like Bijan Robinson, who mm -hmm. is expected first round pick? You know, I, I also want to get your opinion how high you think yeah. he can go, because that, that, that debate is interest, very interesting to me. Um, you know, he's going to come in as probably one of the best running backs in the NFL. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is it a situation where his value can continue to rise? And, and, and to you, Travis, how high do you think he's going to go in the NFL draft? Yeah, this again, this is kind of reshaped how I think, think of things uh, in terms of like comparing prospects from a real um, real football perspective and like, uh, you know, projecting out how long their career will be as well as like through a dynasty lens. Because guys like Brees Hall, um, who have proven it on a small sample, had decent capital and in many circles have been at some point, uh, you know, in the running back one overall conversation for fantasy purposes. And largely last year, where you know he was the consensus running back one, uh, Bijan actually uh, his initial IPO price was almost identical to Brees Hall's current price. Like they're both just over thirteen dollars, uh, but the initial buy action on Bijan suggested that there was quite a bit of uh, confidence that he would be a better player than Brees Hall, which is funny because like that's what the real NFL sentiment is, uh, and that's what in many circles, I think most circles, that's this that's what the sentiment is uh, surrounding those two even in fantasy as well um and so he's he's coming in at a range of uh you know he's basically expected to be a mid first rounder uh, or at least have a career like a mid first rounder would and so it's just fun because like 
you know, we might IPO at a certain price, but the collective mind of, of you know, the, the wisdom of the crowd and how they really put their money where their mouth is in this market space um, really speaks to a collective perception of, of, of every single player, which is is so much fun. So Bijan, right now, his, his price right now is not even half of what, uh, you know, guys like Ladanian Tomlinson ended up uh, producing. Uh, but it's it's it would be insane to project that kind of outcome for any prospect, even if, you know, you just can't know that someone's going to produce at that kind of level. But but it will be interesting because there's definitely room to grow. If he's if he becomes one of the, the most productive backs in recent memory, if he becomes like a productive guy, like on the level of Ezekiel Elliott, Zeke's actually produced over twenty dollars, like of banked value already. Um, so there's there's plenty of room to, to go up and and you know perhaps even double or or beyond. Who are some of the skill position players? We'll just say running backs and wide receivers here that you've yeah. looked at so far in this draft class that you could say buy low right now because you think that their stock's going to go through. The, we'll, we'll, for the sake of this, we'll say buy low stocks, but we all talk about sleepers, right? So let's sure. Who are some running backs and receivers in this class that you could like say, hey, let, let's get them now before before it gets hot. Yeah, I don't. It, what's funny about my position is I'm not even technically allowed to give advice <laughs> as explicit as that. But I will say uh, there are some just based on what I've seen um, and, and early early activity. Uh, there's there's some confidence in guys like Zay Flowers. Uh, there's been rising confidence in mock drafts here recently. Uh, but I think a lot more people are coming around to the fact that holy cow, this guy, you know, he, he should probably perhaps even be in the wide receiver one conversation. Um, you know, analytically speaking, uh, in terms of like the production metrics that nerds like me appreciate, he's not ne- he's not necessarily uh, perfect. He doesn't have the great peak to his profile per se, but he has three years of consistent production. And he was, you know, he's got two seasons uh, on under his belt that uh, where he actually scored more receiving touchdowns than anyone else in the ACC, um, which is a little rare for a guy of his size and his, uh, I guess, archetype um, at the wide receiver position. And uh, he tested a more athletic than I think a lot of people thought he was. And so we had a kind of early VIP release with our market last week uh, before all the players went live to the entirety of uh, anyone on Mojo this week. And uh, Zay Flowers was the most traded player. And so that was interesting to see th- that amount of confidence uh, in a player who until just recently wasn't expected necessarily to be a kind of first round selection. So that's that's somebody that's definitely been inc- intriguing. Uh, but even just today, like there's been a lot more interest in Cedric Tillman. Uh, there's been a lot more interest in, you know, like Trey, Trey Palmer. Uh, you know, he's just an incredible vertical threat. Uh, you know, he might have hands issues from time to time. But man, like when you come in at the combine and you're the fastest guy there at the wide receiver position, uh, that's going to turn some heads faster than, you know, the, the, the wheels of Jalen Hyatt, which a lot of people thought he would be the fastest guy. So I think uh, people are buying in uh, and believing in. Um, very different kinds of players. I mean, like, cause three different, I mean, Zay is more of like, uh, you know, a lot of people think he's going to be a flex. I think he's uh, a slot. I think he's more than that, but Tillman's like a, a player who would have probably gone around one, 10 years ago. And because if he's a big, big bodied X type who wins at the, the catch point, and then you've got the straight line speed of Palmer. So there's all, all play all sorts of players, uh, in this class, uh, a lot of small ones in this class, but, uh, those are just a few names that I know that the market has been interested in uh, here recently. So we'll see if that continues. But uh, running back, I, I think a lot of people 
are uh, coming around on Chase Brown after his uh, his his stellar combine performance, and that hasn't stopped uh, since since the you know his he actually kind of tested out as a really really plus impressive athlete. Um, so that's I don't think that's going anywhere, and I think a lot of people are also believing in, in Jameer Gibbs, of course. But if we're looking for a sleeper, I think uh, a lot of people also might be interested in Dwayne McBride out of UAB. He didn't do all the testing at the combine, uh, but he's somebody in, in terms of a uh, big enough body to take a significant workload. Uh, he's somebody I'm paying attention to immensely because there's a lot of interest in him um, as well. I'm not sure how much capital he gets, but even if he just gets an opportunity to have some 1B level touches, that's a name that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. So Travis, how how do mock drafts essentially end up affecting the price, especially when we're talking about the NFL draft? I have to imagine there's some influence, right? Especially when the big names mm-hmm. come out or we start to see players, right? Start creeping up the board and like guys that yeah. weren't expected. Um, I know you definitely track that stuff a lot. How how does kind of the me- <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, probably way too much. You've seen way too many mock drafts. How does kind yeah. of the media mock draft affect? Um, you know, affect what, what people do on Mojo or what those prices look like since we're in this period you can't accrue any stats. Yeah, that that is it's hard to weigh because that is one piece of the puzzle that we are constantly analyzing at Mojo in terms of how we would actually move the price on ourselves regardless of any buying or selling action that's taking place. But when those big mock drafts do come out, that generally prompts some action. <laughs> and so we we're trying to we're careful to not double count and uh, overdo things with the price, but we do have to objectively listen to the market and move uh, price um, on new, new bits, bits of information uh, as well as the buying and selling action. It's really three, threefold. I mean, like any, like any actual market, it's actual, like an actual stock or an actual company. It would be like actual performance, uh, relevant news that comes out. And third, the buying and selling of, of any action surrounding player. And that's that's kind of how like dynasty fantasy football markets and values work. And like a lot of how a lot of the the uh, algorithms that affect like the trade calculator calculators work. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a constantly moving process. But yeah, the mock drafts do play a big part of it because um, they carry weight, especially this time of year. Uh, just uh, just a, a, just a peek a little bit behind the curtain. We have found that you know the impact or stickiness of mock drafting that takes place before the NFL Combine is pretty useless, like absolutely like hot garbage, useless. So like if you're copying and pasting somebody's mock from, uh, I'm not saying writing them before is, is useless. I'm saying that like in terms of actual predictive value, um, they players start to change and 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 solidify like where they're actually going to go after that point but prior to like even large-scale data shifts massively um so if you're copying and pasting mock drafts from you know november or january that still for some drunk reason had tanner mckee going even in day two uh you're gonna look real dumb real soon so uh yeah it's just funny to see how how that that moves and when it's useful versus versus when it's not for our purposes me and you seem to be on the same page with these quarterbacks. So just quickly, uh, is Will Levis hot garbage too? Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it's, it's, he's not um, like the, in, in terms of a passer as, as much of a problem just as uh, Anthony Richardson is like, you know, having very little positive to go off of there. Um, you know, depending on how you adjust any, anyone's like analytical profile, um, 
let's just talk that through because I, I want to get your, your take on that too. But like, so 2021, he's he comes into Kentucky. He's got an NFL level offensive coordinator, uh, better offensive line than he had in 2022. It's just a great situation for him to thrive in. He's got like a legit wide receiver one in Wondell Robinson. So he does good enough, right? Like he's, it's not wild, but like, you know, he's a 60th, 70th ish, maybe if you squint percentile pass efficiency guy. And then um, last year uh, he struggled with health. And uh, so he was imperfect as his decision-making was questionable. He had a much worse offensive coordinator. He had much worse offensive line play. Uh, so the schematic effect on his profile weighed him down and just from a raw numbers perspective. But if you get into the nitty gritty and, and adjust for all the external variables, uh, including like play calling and play action percentage, jet motion percentage, uh, his average depth of target, and look at things through like a few different lenses, like his completion percentage over expected, his adjusted yards per attempt over expected, and several other nerdy stats. Last year was actually more impressive because of all the external baggage surrounding him, surrounding him than 2021 is. So if you squint and say, man, 2021, he was gifted this perfection. 2022, he struggled on paper, but at the same time, he overcame things to, that um, was almost impressive to me. Uh, but at the same time, that that doesn't mean he should be a top 10 pick. You know, like he is an early day two level prospect with nice biceps, you know, so that, that that's where I land. But I'm interested just to see how you guys process the difference between 2021 and 2022. And, and to either one of those peaks really make him, you know, at first for early first round prospect because neither season does and the collective profile together just falls short. I'll go quickly because Shane can elaborate a lot more than I can. But even with 2021, there was a lot of holes in his profile to me, yeah. even with what all you said. And you're right. I mean, he did have a lot working against him, had the injury, the the poor coordinator, the no real number one wide receiver this year at Kentucky. So you do want don't want to hold 2022 completely against him. But like I said, even if you go back and watch his tape 2021, I don't think he was a – top 10 prospect coming into this class. Like, you know, he, he was, he was on some people's boards. I've got a third round grade on him right now, early third round grade. So I'm not convinced he's that either. And he also lost to Vanderbilt. <laughs> that yeah. He did both him and Anthony Richardson. Uh, yeah. So I'm not quite as low as Brian. I mean, I have both Levis and Anthony Richardson as round two prospects. You know, I thought 2021 and, and you mentioned Travis had, Having the NFL offensive coordinator running an NFL offense, I think, was like, oh, you know, you can see the translation pretty easily. I think that's what teams liked. And then when things didn't go so well this year, now it's does he need everything to be successful? I think he needs the exact right situation, you know, almost uh, uh, Mac Jones on steroids. Like, you, you know, you need the right <laughs> yeah. thing for that to work. That's interesting. I, I, I feel like we're kind of on the same page there. Yeah, to me, it's like round two-ish. But uh, I get that everyone, you know, if, if they think that there's any chance they could be the guy, they have to reach into early round one. But it just, uh, it just feels so wrong. <laughs> um, we, we do have Brad Menendez, uh, draft countdown writer. Brad, Travis, and I are in a <laughs> fantasy league together. So commenting, Travis hasn't brought out any charts. I thought you'd share the screen and bring out the charts, Travis. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I could if you just let me take over the, the screen here. Yeah. <laughs> Get some of those for Brad and, and uh, all of our pinnacle of, of Debbie league mates. We are 2,000 rounds into our Debbie draft, by the way. 
So two thousand. Yeah, yeah. What and uh, someone took Travis's son. So or two thousand yeah. picks rather. So yeah, yeah two thousand. Oh yeah, picks. yeah. Dwight, shout out Dwight if he's listening. I was on his show this week too. Dwight drafted my son who is sixteen months old. So. You never know. You know, you got you got to get them early, Brian. You sure you don't want to be in these fantasy leagues, Brian? It's it's it's, it's a blast. Yeah, yeah. For, for for since you don't know, uh, I'm partners at DraftCat now with Shane, who's like in 712 fantasy leagues of different kinds. I'm in one with nine <laughs> other people at my work, and that's it. Um, last question for me, and I'll give Shane one more question. And we'll let you go. Uh, in this regards to your college to Canton podcast and stuff of this nature, and this question gets asked a lot involving college football, do stars matter? Oh, man. I'm going to need another podcast to just break down. That. <laughs> Let's get, give me the is, cliff notes. <laughs> okay, cliff notes is – cliff note answer is yes. Roll credits. You know, it's like seriously, like immensely so, and, and more now than they ever have. In fact – uh, like when we first started tracking stars in the early 2000s, they were absolute garbage. All the services were terrible. They had awful sources. Like if you ever like looked at film, like like any kind of production via video from the year 2000 and thought there's no way it looked that bad. Like, you know, like it was just the resources that we had to make the right decisions in terms of scouting were just zilch. And so uh, the hit rate was atrocious. Like even like five star level prospects were getting drafted at like a 50% clip and, or, or less in some classes. Um, fast forward to the most recently, you know, expressed or drafted fully matured, uh, recruiting classes, like from 2013 to 2017, you know, almost hundred percent of players from 2017 have, have been drafted at this point, even the extra COVID eligibility guys. And so like 2013 to 2017, the hit rate for, you know, top level five stars went from below 50% in the early 2000s to 70% of those players get drafted now, which is just bonkers. Uh, you know, like almost doubling the hit rate uh, from the previous uh, early decade. And um, and it's wild, like like a quarter of, of all five stars get first round capital at this point, at this point, regardless of position. And it's only accelerating. So the services are getting a lot better at identifying pro level traits uh, from an earlier age. Um, I mean, like we can basically safely project like 16, 17 year olds that like, yeah, that player is getting drafted. I don't know where, but he's getting drafted uh, pretty certainly unless something go, goes off the the ledge or they, I, you know, just people get in trouble or, you know, they have mental health issues and, you know, they're, you know, real stuff happens, but for the most part, the hit rate is becoming ridiculous. So in terms of like top tier five stars, uh, we're reaching a, a point like this year, especially where we're going to see a ridiculous number of guys with absurd uh, pedigree, just littered across the first round, like over the course of the like, like last 20 years or so, like only a quarter or so of the of round one, you might see the like true five stars, another quarter, maybe a little bit more four stars and actually more three stars than four or five uh, getting drafted. Uh, but that's because there are like 40 times the amount of three stars as there are uh, like five stars. And there's like four or five times the amount of three stars as there are four stars. So when people I want to say, well, what about Cooper Cup? Well, what about so-and-so? You know, like, cool, you're right. They are the exception to the rule. Like, um, you know, in every single draft class, there's like a quarter million kids all competing for the same star ratings. There's, you know, between all the services, like 45 stars, 404 stars, 2,003 stars. And then the rest of the, you know, 248,000 kids that are two stars and below, 
Like they're all, they're all competing. And out of those 248,000 kids that didn't get a three-star rating or better, maybe five or six will get first round capital. So like the expected hit rate is a little bit different. So stars absolutely matter from both a team, team building perspective and uh, draft capital projection perspective. It, it, like it's, it's wild uh, how accurate the services are becoming. No, it's great info, and I, I love listening to your podcast. You know, um, back and and when you broke those down it was awesome. Uh, my last question, then we'll let you go, Travis. Um, real quick, just give us whether it be Mojo stocks or some of your interjections, you know, top three or four uh, college players. You know, right now uh, in terms of Mojo price, and and that you know, obviously looking to have a high first round picks uh, next year or beyond. Well, the number one, the obvious, like, I mean, I'm, I'm just so stupid high personally on Caleb Williams. Uh, like I've wanted my Titans to just, just go. Oh, 17, please. Like, don't, don't have, don't even posture. Like you care about winning, please do not. Uh, and, and he's currently priced at like 37 bucks, which is, you know, a little bit cheaper than Bryce Young uh, or CJ Stroud, but it's still actually more expensive than Anthony Richardson uh, and Will Levis. Because he's just the lockiest lock of locks, you know, to go a first round next year. Like, you know, I mean, like it's, it's one of those situations where he could just sit out. You know, he, he would have been the first overall pick this year. He could just pull Jamar Chase and be like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to, you know, root my teammates on, but I'm going to go first overall next year. And so um, that's just an intriguing play because I just want to see his career play out. That is, he could he could maybe fail, but like it, <laughs> it sure seems like that's impossible. Uh, so he's one that I'm interested in. Drake May uh, seems to be the consensus quarterback too, and yet he's actually $21 right now uh, in rising, uh, $21 in change. And so he's actually cheaper than Will Levis. So that's been interesting to track. I mean, there have been people um, interested in him, but you know, maybe because he's a year out, he, you know, people are just less interested in in that. Um, but uh, beyond that, Quinn Ewers has been all over the place because people don't know what to do with Arch Manning coming in. But uh, he's actually like below $15 now for the first time, I, I believe, uh, ever uh, since he's been on the platform since last fall uh, because people are thinking, hey, Arch Manning could take over. So, you know, there's still upside with yours. Like the version of yours that we saw against like with the first half of, of Alabama before he went down with injury last year, <laughs> that, 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 that was like a first round kind of quarterback. So if we see that player again and Arch Manning stays on the bench and is redshirted effectively this year, that could be really fun too. So those three are, are super fun right now, but there's several other guys that are under 10 bucks, like Jordan Travis, who's like still, I think top five or six to be, um, uh, you know, like in the Heisman conversation for this year, Michael Penix, who absolutely just balled last year, uh, for Washington. I know if he can stay healthy for one more year, that's, that's, that's a bet in and of itself, but, uh, he's, he's under 10 bucks too. So, uh, lots of guys like that on the platform and several more to be added shortly after the NFL draft uh, at several other positions like running back, wide receiver and tight end here soon. I, I, my hope is that by the fall, we have like 300 plus college players on the platform um, all ready to go. So that's the goal. But uh, there, there's plenty of uh, players to be excited about uh, moving moving forward for, for next year. Looking like a pretty stacked class, a fun class. Yeah, Shane's already released like 17, 20, 24 mock drafts already. Uh, at so least. We've, at we've, least. We've, like, they're like 12. Come these. on. Like if you go to mock draft database, there's Shane and nobody else. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Especially for 2025. Oh, 
He's the only the only ones of it's 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 wild. Um, hey, my buddy Stefan, I think he's 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 uh he actually just asked me to look over some stuff for when he's gonna be having it coming out, I believe, at Roto this year soon. So you'll have some some competition. All right, all right, yeah. Uh, let's, let's so I'll uh, get tell stuff Stefan to hurry that hurry that up. <laughs> Travis man, it's great to meet you and uh great to learn about some of this stuff, even if it's something well, one, I live in Alabama, I can't legally gamble anywhere. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's great to great to learn about this stuff and great to figure this stuff out. And uh, Shane, yeah. Shane's talked you up to me and in, in off chat. And it was great to great to hear all this information. I'm so glad you joined us tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys invited me and had me on. And it, it, it is it. I mean, even if you're not in the state, like you can download the app wherever and look at the prices wherever. Um, we had uh, Nick Ercolano who uh, is, is with the big dogs got to eat. You know, they had that like NFT kind of big launch last year. It was a huge event. Uh, for fantasy football purposes and he actually just made a 20 minute video just break down some of our pricing uh, and just using it like to help him with dynasty fantasy football <laughs> you know like and so it was it was amazing just to see how it could be applied just from uh, a nerdy numbers perspective uh, just because it adds uh, another layer to your game another uh, set of data to help you out and, and i'm all i'm all for finding as many assets as i can <laughs> it doesn't co- doesn't cost anything to just download and check it out and, and look at the prices move and See what the, the the real stock market of uh, players uh, values a certain player as. Good stuff, That's man. A, yeah, but I appreciate it. Uh, I'll leave you guys be so you guys can talk about change twenty twenty seven NFL mock draft. Uh, but uh, you guys, you guys take care, and uh, I'll talk soon, Shane. No, thanks, Travis. Yeah, nice thanks to meet you, Ryan. Man. It was great. That was Travis May of Mojo. Good stuff there, man. Uh, Different, you know, unique, uh, which is, I think is always exciting. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a di- different take on stuff, stuff that we, you know, don't normally talk about in a way um, that, that we normally do. So it's, it's a good good to get that perspective out there uh, as it is. But uh, Travis, may you uh, download the app Mojo. Um, yeah, check it out. It, it is worth even just looking at prices. And Travis such a good analytical mind, too. You know, he's, he's great to have on. And uh, when people are putting money where their, their mouth is on betting on these players in the draft, that's, you know, that means something. Absolutely. All right, Shane. So we got a few, few other topics to talk about before we start answering our questions. Uh, this just, po- I, don't, I guess, talking about gambling got me to thinking about this. We're about a month out. Uh, not a whole lot of props out there yet. I'm looking at Bavada and, uh, just a couple intro. He said Zay Flowers and talking about potential wide receiver one, and that's what popped it in my head. So I wanted to go look. And right now at Bavada, you can get Zay Flowers as wide receiver one off the board at plus seven fifty. So could be a worthwhile gamble to take. Uh, in case you were wondering, JSN uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba wide receiver Ohio State uh, minus two fifty. The odds on favorite right now to be the first wide receiver off the board. My wide receiver, number one, is Quentin Johnston from TCU, plus 350. Uh, the people at Bavada, I don't know if they're trying to just – what they're doing here, but Roma Dunze from Washington is listed. Still on there. Being, Still on there. Despite not being in this draft class, but plus 10,000. Uh, that, that's a sucker bet. Don't take that. Um, why, why don't more books do that? Just toss in, some, toss in Marvin Harrison Jr. Like just you Make know, up a name. Free money, you know, right? Yeah. Um, 
so is, is any of those uh, – Jordan Addison, by the way, plus 550 there. Jalen Hyatt plus 1,000. Any, anything jump out at you or you think it's going to be JSN? I mean, I think it'll be JSN, but I probably would bet on Quentin Johnston, like if you're watching this live right now, because tomorrow this is pro day, right? Like that number is going to change. Uh, I think JSN will still be the favorite, but I do think when Quentin Johnston works out, he's going to, you know, jump up there to – yeah, plus 100 mark, perhaps. Intriguing to me is first tight end off the board. Uh, current betting favorite, Michael Mayer, minus 120. But you can get Dalton Kincaid at plus 175. And the one that interests me is Darnell Washington at plus 275. Just his size and athletic profile, I think that could lead a team to maybe take him as the first tight end off the board. Not sure I would agree with that assessment, but I think that's something that could happen. Yeah, I, I I actually think Darnell Washington has a decent shot. I like the plus two seventy five there, and Michael Mayer was plus money uh, before Dalton Kincaid didn't work out at, at Utah's pro day. So yeah, it's something to keep an eye on this last week is when those pro days are, and you know, with if you're going to bet on the draft, you can actually probably get all of them at plus money if you play your cards right in terms of time. Interesting here because uh, we've talked about the very real chance that Tyree Wilson could actually be drafted ahead of Will Anderson. Uh, first defensive player selected, Tyree Wilson, currently at plus six fifty. I, I thought, yeah, as much as I love Will Anderson, I, I think I would take that bet because it wouldn't surprise me if someone, if a team like Arizona, wants that size or someone trades up there. Seattle, I think, would probably maybe much rather have a Tyree Wilson than a Will Anderson. I don't think it'd be a smart choice, but that does, isn't always what happens. So I, I like that at that number. I like that a lot. How about first corner, Joey Porter Jr. plus 800? Yeah, I mean, it's poss- possible. I, I do think Witherspoon and Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon of Illinois and Christian Gonzalez of Oregon are a step ahead both. Um, but shocking maybe for that number one corner. I don't know where their numbers are at right now. Uh, Gonzalez minus 190, Witherspoon plus 175. The next one after that is Brian Branch, who's, I don't, plus 2,000. So it's basically those three. Those three. Interesting. Yeah. Now, maybe interesting though, I say that. Deontay Banks is plus 5,000. I might put a buck on that one. You know, that, that seems like a buck worthy bet right there. Yeah, right? Just just toss it in and get 50 bucks at 50. Uh, you know, it, I, I don't know if there's anything that's going to raise his stock, but I think a team could take that shot. I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> Live on the podcast, Brian Benton. Um, last one and we'll move on. Um, first offensive lineman off the board. Your guy, Paris Johnson Jr., minus 150 is the favorite. Part of me likes the numbers here on Darnell Wright at plus 1,100 and Broderick Jones at plus 450. Yeah, I mean, I think Broderick Jones is worth a bet. I think that number is going to come down as time goes on. Uh, Skaronsky plus 150. Plus one. Yeah, I I think think Broderick Jones should be more in line with – Skaronsky. So that's probably where I'd go. Darnell Wright, I, I think might be getting pushed up too a little too high for a right tackle, but you never know. Yeah. All right. So we'll uh we'll close out the draft props there. Uh Shane, you've had three or four comp articles come out now. I believe it's three. 
And your final one comes out on Friday, which will be the linebackers, DBs, and special teams players. Of the comps you've done so far, who have been some of the more surprising ones that, like, when you put it together, you're like, did not see that coming? It's been interesting because it's always a fun process, and I outline it ahead of each article. First of all, let's let's explain that it's you're comping them to as these prospects, these players were coming out of college as you scouted them in their draft class, not how they become as professionals. So if you comp somebody to, I I, I don't know, just Jamarcus Russell, Jamarcus Russell. You're comping them to what we thought of Jamarcus Russell as a prospect, not the complete eternal flop that he became as an NFL passer. Right. And and people criticize that. You know, like I comp CJ Stroud to Alex Smith, and people were like, How how could you do that? You know, Alex Smith who wasn't awful, you know, was awful. He's the number one overall pick. He's like super accurate and was af- you know athletic enough to move. Like my my notes matched up. They're they're both top five picks on the draft. You know, so I think that's that's key to keep in mind because it's different from what a lot of other people do. Just like, oh, th- you know, this guy's going to be as good as insert Hall of Famer. So, you know, let's comp that. And that's not what I do. Um, I, you know, I use the athletic testing and size that we've seen from Raz. I use draft capital um, and try to match it up that way. And then my scouting reports is really usually the final piece is kind of matching. Hey, go back and read what I wrote about this guy. Wow, it's the same thing I wrote about the player in this draft let's do it so there have been a couple interesting ones um jordan addison i think was an interesting one is i comped him to jeremy macklin the receiver out of missouri um if you remember macklin had a pretty solid nfl career but i remember looking at kind of the route running and the lack of that deep speed and it wasn't the athleticism but kind of the you know the sure way of cutting and running every route the same and then i put you know, the Rask against each other, I was like, whoa, you know, this is like really close. I love when that happens. <laughs> it's like, oh, this player matches up. So that was an interesting one. Uh, maybe a controversial one, but one of my guys end up comping to who ended up being a, an excellent NFL player, but it's Tucker Craft, a tight end out of South Dakota State to Travis Kelsey. Um, both dealing with injuries in college was a big knock on them that knocked them down, but two-way players that were really good against zone coverage in college. Um, good after the catch. Tough, not super, you know, good athletes and, and maybe better athletes than um, that they tested better than they played. So I'm like, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to put it out there because I think that's – I like Tucker Craft a lot. I don't think Travis Kelsey would be doing what he's doing uh, in the NFL. But as a prospect day two guy, I think it makes sense. And then on the defensive side, we just talked about Tyree Wilson – uh, I comped him to Tom Bahali, the the edge rusher out of Penn State, if you remember him. And kind of a disappointing NFL career. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. But having a kind of big body hand usage, you know, explosion off the line, um, Tom Bahali really wrecked uh, a lot of teams that didn't necessarily have that big production. Same with Tyree Wilson, right? doesn't have that big production, but you kind of see it on film. Um, so those were three that I liked. Uh, but I think there's a bunch of nice gems in there if you go and read that, especially if you followed the draft of the NFL for a while. Uh, it's fun. I, I was – because you're not the only person I've seen make the comp with Anthony Richardson, not to go back to him again, but to Dante Culpepper uh, as a prospect come out of UCF. And when I saw that, I'm like, 
that makes a whole lot of sense because Culpepper played at, when he was at UCF, wasn't the most accurate guy, but had a lot of tools, very athletic. Uh, Anthony Richardson would love to have the career that Dante Culpepper had. I mean, Culpepper was an NFL MVP, right? Uh, I, th- I think uh, he, sh- he maybe shared it or was in the finals. He was very close. Um, that would be great. Like if, if Anthony Richardson has Culpepper's career, that'd be great. There's a couple guys like that. I, I reached further back than I've really scouted, but I remember Dante Culpepper as an NFL player and you know what his statistics and athleticism look like. Richardson was tough to comp, but I think Culpepper, I could see that. Because even in the NFL, Culpepper was not a guy that could hit every receiver, right? I mean, he's tossing it up to, to Randy Moss and, and Chris Carter. And I think that helped him. Um, but I, I think it's a, a perfect kind of match for Richardson and what he can be if things go well. Um, another thing with that comp is if let's say Richardson ends up being the third or fourth quarterback off the board, which we expect him to be one or the other Culpepper, was he the fifth quarterback off the board in 99? Or was he the fourth? I think he was the fifth, if I remember correctly. Let's see. You had Couch, McNabb, Achilles Smith, Cade McNown, and Dante Culpepper. So, yes. So, he was the fifth. So, yeah, that's interesting. Another another way to look at it. No, it looks like Uh, he went one pick before Cade McNown. He was 11th and McNown was 12th. They were right. But they were right. I mean – that that's draft. We had one, two, three quarterback, then 11, 12 quarterback. So it was a loaded class and most of them weren't very good. Only two, only two. So. I wasn't expecting this to be this late in the show with this, with this question, but it's, it's fine. Um, there's some big questions remaining that have a huge impact on the NFL draft still hanging over and we don't have to go in great depth here, but to me, the biggest questions involve two veteran quarterbacks right now. What happens with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? Does he end up getting traded before the draft? And when does the Aaron Rodgers, New York Jets, Green Bay Packers, Menage et uh, in have its resolution? I don't think we get a menage a trois drop in the podcast uh, today, you know, but but here we are now. It's a, it, it, no, you're right. I mean, it's going to affect the draft, maybe not the first round. Like, I, I mean, Lamar Jackson would if he gets traded, obviously, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to in some of the reports today is that he won't, but it's going to make a major impact on what teams are looking for, you know, now what becomes positions of need for these, these squads and, you know, what's other ways you can do it. I think those two are big, you know, big question marks. Um, you know, that's going to affect the draft. So I'm with you. The other like questions are like, and it's not something we're going to, I think we're going to be privy to until the draft itself is what happens with Jalen Carter is, you know, his atrocious pro day. Do people chalk that up to what was going on? Um, I mean, he's essentially his legal proceedings are over. So are teams putting that behind them, you know, moving forward? I mean, he obviously has immense talent, but the off the field concerns are there. So I think that's another big question that's going to shape the top 10 of the draft. Yeah, I mean, it is because he could still be a, a high top five pick. He could fall to the 10th spot, uh, and, you know, around the 10th spot. Nine ten, he could fall further than that. 
we, we've seen players that that's happened to them and things come out after the fact or, Hey, there's already questions. And then this happened. So I think that's going to have a major impact. Um, I mean, I, I, I even think quarterback, you know, we talked a lot of quarterback today, but one we haven't talked about is Hendon Hooker starting to get some first round buzz. Now, I think it's the time of the year and every draft, the day two quarterback gets first round buzz seems to happen every single year, but you know, how do teams feel about him? How's the injury? How's the medical? We're never privy to that information. I think I think that's a big question that maybe we'll get some clarity here coming up. If Hendon Hooker does end up in the first round, and I I've gone right, he's my I have him rated ahead of Levis and and um Richardson. It has to be to a team, a playoff team, right? That is not set at quarterback beyond this year. I'm looking at Minnesota with Kirk Cousins and, you know, teams like that, that maybe can take that red shirt year for hooker and then move forward after that. Minnesota, Seattle, Detroit, uh, you know, there are teams out there. I, I think even a team like Washington where, yeah, you have Sam Howell and they're not a playoff team, but they were, weren't too far off and, you know, you could take them. I, th- I think it's interesting I still don't plan on having him in the first round of, of a mock coming up anytime soon, but the final one, we'll, we'll see where the buzz is at. Yeah, that's where we're a good bit away. All right, so we've got plenty of questions on Twitter. We didn't get any on Discord or in the chat tonight, so let's just go in order here. Uh, at Draft Day 101 ask on Twitter, and speaking of Lamar Jackson, uh, would you rather have Will Levis for the next five years or Lamar Jackson? This is a loaded question. It, it is. And I'm you and I have discussed on the show now a couple times how much we're not huge fans of Will Levis. Um, I, I, I'd i rather have Lamar Jackson, but you got to pay the money and you got to pay the draft pick price. And that's tough, I think, to swallow to be super confident that Lamar Jackson is – the guy for those five years and everything's going to go well. So I understand the trepidation a little bit, but I mean, I'll give up the picks. Like I'll give up two first rounders plus a player and pay the money. Give me Lamar Jackson in right now. Here's, here's what people I don't think are quite grasping with Lamar Jackson. The question here is with Will Levis. Will Levis will be as a 24 year old rookie. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Hendon Hooker will be a 25-year-old rookie. He'll probably be 26 before he takes his first NFL snap. Lamar Jackson's 26 now and has won an NFL MVP. So I'm with you. The problem, like I said, but the question, the flip side, like you said with Jackson, you're going to have to pay him over $200 million guaranteed, I would think, is, is where we're going. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to cost you multiple first-round picks. At least two, maybe more, maybe more draft picks, maybe some player compensation going back. As I, I figure, it's not going to be the two first round picks. I figure it's going to be some some sort of a team will work out a contract with them. They'll go to Baltimore. Hey, let's make the deal, and it'll the, it'll be some. I think it'll be some Russell Wilson type compensation, maybe even Deshaun Watson compensation going back. Uh, something of that I, nature. I don't think it happens. I don't think he's going anywhere. Do so you think he is, stays in Baltimore? Yeah. 
We'll see. But the the answer, I think, for both of us at Draft Day 101 is uh, we'll, we would rather have Lamar Jackson, even yeah. at the money and the draft picks. Uh, my buddy Tom, Justin, I'm Nostra Thomas over at uh, Bengal Gym Podcast. Uh, do you see it making any sense for a team to trade out of the first round this year? The answer is yes. It always makes sense. I know who he's <laughs> in, I know who he's referencing here. He's referencing the Bengals at pick 28. Yes. Anybody that's picking in the bottom half of the first or the bottom five, six picks of the first round should take every single phone call from anybody in the top six or seven of the second round just to see what you can get. Because you got to think that you're not getting any one like unless the player that you absolutely covet falls to that pick. You should listen because there's going to be at least three or four players similarly stacked on your board that's going to fall to you 10 picks later. So, yes, everybody should take that call and get an extra fourth-round pick. And we usually hear, right, teams first-round graded prospects, 15, 16 guys, right? So if you're picking in that back end, you don't have a first-round grade on anyone that's still there, yeah, you know, you should listen. I I do think the fifth-year option makes it harder than it used to be to say, yeah, I'm going to back out, right, is is that you might cost yourself a year of a player that you obviously think is really good. I think the most likely teams are probably the Seahawks, the Eagles. Um, both their GMs move down a lot, though I think both, especially the Eagles, could move down their earlier pick in the first round um, to to do that. But that 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 would be my guesses. Yeah, I, I Minnesota, think teams should. I think it's smart. Minnesota as well. It, it was definitely the case when Rick Spielman was a GM, but uh, they also moved around a lot last year as well. Yeah. So could be a candidate to move out. The Bengals, one of the least likely candidates to move out is they tend to just not trade a lot <laughs> on drafting. As much as I would love them to, they just don't do it. Um, at K English DS asks, favorite sleeper running back, Shane. I know you you've got a you've got a, a whole host of these. I, I got three for you. Uh, probably, probably the one that actually has a chance to get drafted. <laughs> we'll start with first, um, and that's Deneric Prince. The running back out of Tulsa, I think, is really good. Um, I mean, Israel Banaconda had a really good pro day today. Derek Prince wasn't too far off. He's similar size and had a really good combine. Like, he, he's he's good on film, catches the football, explosive. I think for a late-round day three running back, you could do worse. Uh, I like Lou Nichols out of Central Michigan. Was productive until he got hurt and kind of lost the backfield there. Not a super athlete. And then my deep sleeper is Emmanuel Wilson, the running back out of Fort Valley State. Uh, I've been impressed with like size. He's shifty and kind of has become my top small school running back in this class. Um, I've talked about Keaton Mitchell a lot, and I think he's going to go on day three. But that home run hitting ability, man, I love it. And uh, I, 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 I mean, day three, I think that's sleeper, right? I mean. Yeah, feels good. Uh, I don't know that he'll be drafted, but a, I, I'm going to call it a major college program guy. He had a great pro day. Uh, Christopher Brooks from BYU was productive, uh, looked great in the Hula Bowl. Uh, when he played, thought he should have been in a, a more high-profile all-star game uh, than the Hula. And, yeah, so I don't really have a deep, deep guy like you. I've only got – 40 guys on my board, Shane. I haven't quite made it to the 80 that you have yet. Uh, but those are some uh, running backs, so sleeper guys. 
No, uh, no, good, our good buddy at draft guy Jimmy, what speaking of the Hula Bowl, one of the uh, scouts for the Hula Bowl. Yeah. Uh, give me some surprise players who may not get drafted. So if, if they go undrafted, Shane, you're going to be surprised. I, I got, I, I came up with six guys. Uh, Stetson Bennett, I think is one, maybe that's not the most surprising, but I think at this point, everyone kind of feels like, you know, he'll be, he'll be drafted receiver. Keyshawn Boutte, I think could go undrafted sat on his four or five for the combine, which isn't like awful, but the, the sit on the 29 and a half inch vertical is, is that's, that's a problem. Doesn't play special teams, right? Receiver doesn't play special teams. It's a problem. Um, Cornerback Eli Ricks, uh, we've talked about uh, He's been kind of a day two guy, had a a disappointing pro day, especially the agility drills, wasn't great. Um, Safety Brandon Joseph out of Notre Dame was a first-round potential prospect. I think that safety position gets murky on day three. Then two that I think will get drafted, maybe even decently high, so I'm taking long shots here. Um, Ole Miss running back Zach Evans and Utah cornerback Clark Phillips. Can't see. Well, just with the production alone, I can't see Phillips going undrafted. I think it's. I look. I think it's early day three. I, 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 yeah. I, I don't think he ends up in the first two days. Now, I'll say that just because I think he's a pure slot now. But yeah. I, I think I think the percentage is low that he does, goes undrafted. But uh, so I'd be surprised. But, I'll give you uh, one. Run, yeah. I, you name it. Keishon Butte was my main main one. I would have said here. I'll give you a running back that I, I still like him a lot, but. I, I, he may not get drafted. Sean Tucker, Syracuse. Oh, wow. I, I just – I mean, we're, we're going to get no testing from him at all. So, I'm curious as to what his injury – like, how bad is, is his injury worse than we think? Yep, it seems to be Mike, but one of those ones where at the end of the draft you see a report out from Schefter that chronic knee injury or something from Sean Tucker or something like that that caused him to go undrafted. I, I don't know. It feels weird. Um, about that. Um, last one here from at Joe at work 87. Uh, if the NFL script writers insist that the big four quarterbacks need to succeed, what four teams give them the best chance to do so? This actually made me think a lot because it's interesting, right? If we're not limiting it to, I limited it to teams still kind of need a quarterback. Um, but if we're not worried about where in the draft, so I think my big ones, Will Levis, I think is Seattle. I, I think Pete Carroll could handle the big personality. I think Will Levis needs weapons. They have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, uh, Kenneth Walker. Like, I think it would be a good situation, good offensive line. I think he kind of needs that structure to do well. Anthony Richardson, I think, is Minnesota. Uh, I would – I think Kevin O'Connell's offense could work. Sit for a year, similar to Levis in Seattle, right? Both, I think, both need to sit for a year. Richardson Detroit is where I like Richardson. You, you like like Detroit yeah. there? Same, similar thing, right? He's going to sit behind Goff. Um, I actually put C.J. Stroud in, in Detroit. I think he okay. would that accuracy with with those weapons and that you know that the coaching staff I think would be great. And then Bryce Young to me was Indianapolis. I think that uh, stretch and offense. Like we saw with Jalen Hurts, I think Bryce Young would flourish. I like it. I like that's it. my that's my thoughts. You can share yours. I want no, to know those those were good because uh, um, my only problem with Indianapolis is the 
I just I don't think they're very outside of like core positions. I don't think they're very good. Like so, Atlanta's the same way. I think there's just a lot of filler there. The Raiders, I think, are not good either outside yeah, but, of wide receivers. So I, I now, agree I with like the Ray. Fit. I agree with the Ray. I think the Falcons make the playoffs. So we can debate that another day. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Final thoughts, Shane, on this went longer than I thought we were going to go tonight, but that's okay. Well, it, it's it's a, a month, less than a month to the draft. We, we got to start. We got to go long, right? I mean, this is the You're time. Right. So. You're right. I'm excited. Four weeks. Four weeks away. I'm pumped. It's, 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 it's awesome, man. I love it. Uh, a lot of content up. We're going to have a lot of team specific mock drafts coming up in the next week. I got a Browns one coming up on Saturday. Uh, Brad's got chiefs coming up tomorrow uh, on Sunday, Miranda, the, the next two Sundays, Miranda's going to look at the biggest need for each team uh, in the AFC and in the NFC, uh, their biggest team needs after free agency. So uh see what your what your favorite team's going to be looking at and uh Shane's going to finish up his comp articles that's Friday's the last one and then Shane we're starting to get your notes yeah yeah it's, it's scouting report season so I'm uh yeah well, I'm shooting for over a thousand prospects again this year we'll see we'll see if see if I can make it happen yeah Shane's been uh just openly gasping every time we get a plus eight raz from some <laughs> offensive lineman in Humboldt State or something. Yeah, so, Davenport. We got yeah. It's just yeah. like oh, I gotta try to find this. Baldwin Wallace got added to the uh, to the list yesterday. That's cl- that's close enough that I feel like I can find it. So yeah, it's a apparently a D three school. I it's close to me. There. It's it's close. It's really? in Ohio. Yeah, it's in Ohio. It's not too far from me. So well, there you go. Yeah. So so you at least knew what they were. I, I did no know idea. Baldwin Wallace. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> that's going to do it uh, for tonight's episode of the draft countdown podcast. If you're new to the channel, hit that like button uh, on the videos, subscribe to the channel, man, because it's, it's going to be hot and heavy these next, uh, these next few weeks, especially the live stream. We, we, we would love to have our subscriber numbers get over 500 between now and the draft. That'd be awesome. If we could, uh, if we see them kind of numbers, um, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, give us a five star review on there. Share it out amongst everybody. Share the YouTube channel out. Uh, let's let's get the get the word out. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P Howell. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. Go to DraftCountdown.com for all of your NFL draft needs between now and a few weeks after the NFL draft. We're here for you. Uh, that's it, everybody. Good night.